Section two of Confessions, volumes three and four. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. Confessions, volumes three and four, by Jean Jacques Rousseau. Anonymously translated. Section two. Mademoiselle de Bray was about my own age, tolerably handsome, and very fair complexioned, with black hair, which, notwithstanding, gave her features that air of softness so natural to the flaxen, and which my heart could never resist. The court dress, so favourable to youth, showed her fine neck and shape to advantage and the mourning which was then worn seemed to add to her beauty it will be said a domestic should not take notice of these things i was certainly to blame yet i perceived all this nor was i the only one the maitre d'hôtel and valet de chambre spoke of her sometimes at table with a vulgarity that pained me extremely my head however was not sufficiently turned to allow of my being entirely in love i did not forget myself or my situation i loved to see mademoiselle de bray to hear her utter anything that marked wit sense or good humour my ambition confined to a desire of waiting on her never exceeded its just rights at table i was ever attentive to make the most of them if her footman quitted her chair i instantly supplied his place in default of this i stood facing her seeking in her eyes what she was about to ask for and watching the moment to change her plate what would i not have given to hear her command to have her look at or speak the smallest word to me but no i had the mortification to be beneath her regard she did not even perceive i was there her brother who frequently spoke to me while at table having one day said something which i did not consider obliging i made him so arch and well turned an answer that it drew her attention she cast her eyes upon me and this glance was sufficient to fill me with transport the next day a second occasion presented itself which i fortunately made use of a great dinner was given and i saw with astonishment for the first time the maitre d'hôtel waiting at table with a sword by his side and hat on his head by chance the discourse turned on the motto of the house of solar which was with the arms worked in the tapestry tel fier qui ne tue pas as the piedmontese are not in general very perfect in the french language 
they found fault with the orthography saying that in the word fiert there should be no t the old comte de gauvon was going to reply when happening to cast his eyes on me he perceived i smiled without daring to say anything he immediately ordered me to speak my opinion i then said i did not think the tea superfluous fier being an old french word not derived from ferus proud threatening but from the verb ferit he strikes he wounds the motto therefore did not appear to mean some threat but some strike who do not kill the whole company fixed their eyes on me then on each other without speaking a word never was a greater degree of astonishment but what most flattered me was an air of satisfaction which i perceived on the countenance of mademoiselle de bray this scornful lady deigned to cast on me a second look at least as valuable as the former and turning to her grandfather appeared to wait with impatience for the praise that was due to me and which he fully bestowed with such apparent satisfaction that it was eagerly chorused by the whole table this interval was short but delightful in many respects it was one of those moments so rarely met with which place things in their natural order and revenge depressed merit for the injuries of fortune some minutes after mademoiselle de bray again raised her eyes desiring me with a voice of timid affability to give her some drink it will easily be supposed i did not let her wait but advancing towards her i was seized with such a trembling that having filled the glass too full i spilled some of the water on her plate and even on herself her brother asked me giddily why i trembled thus this question increased my confusion while the face of mademoiselle de bray was suffused with a crimson blush here ended the romance where it may be remarked as with madame basile and others in the continuation of my life that i was not fortunate in the conclusion of my amours in vain i placed myself in the antechamber of madame de bray i could not obtain one mark of attention from her daughter she went in and out without looking at me nor had i the confidence to raise my eyes to her i was even so foolishly stupid that one day on dropping her glove as she passed instead of seizing and covering it with kisses as i would gladly have done i did not dare to quit my place 
but suffered it to be taken up by a great booby of a footman whom i could willingly have knocked down for his officiousness to complete my timidity i perceived i had not the good fortune to please madame de bray she not only never ordered but even rejected my services and having twice found me in her antechamber asked me dryly if i had nothing to do i was obliged therefore to renounce this dear antechamber at first it caused me some uneasiness but other things intervening i presently thought no more of it the disdain of madame de bray was fully compensated by the kindness of her father-in-law who at length began to think of me the evening after the entertainment i have already mentioned he had a conversation with me that lasted half an hour which appeared to satisfy him and absolutely enchanted me this good man had less sense than madame de vercellis but possessed more feeling i therefore succeeded much better with him he bade me attach myself to his son the abbe gauvon who had an esteem for me which if i took care to cultivate might be serviceable in furnishing me with what was necessary to complete their views for my future establishment the next morning i flew to monsieur the abbe who did not receive me as a servant but made me sit by his fireside and questioned me with great affability he soon found that my education which had attempted many things had completed none but observing that i understood something of latin he undertook to teach me more and appointed me to attend him every morning thus by one of the whimsicalities which have marked the whole course of my life at once above and below my natural situation i was pupil and footman in the same house and though in servitude had a preceptor whose birth entitled him to supply that place only to the children of kings the abbe de gauvon was a younger son and designed by his family for a bishopric for which reason his studies had been pursued further than is usual with people of quality he had been sent to the university of siena where he had resided some years and from whence he had brought a good portion of cruscantism designing to be that at turin which the abbe de Danjou was formerly at paris being disgusted with theology he gave in to the belles lettres which is very frequent in italy with those who have entered the career of prelacy he had studied the poets and wrote tolerable latin and italian verses in a word his taste was calculated to form mine 
and give some order to that chaos of insignificant trash with which my brain was encumbered but whether my prating had misled him or that he could not support the trouble of teaching the elementary parts of latin he put me at first too high and i had scarcely translated a few fables of phaedrus before he put me into virgil where i could hardly understand anything it will be seen hereafter that i was destined frequently to learn latin but never to attain it i laboured with assiduity and the abbe bestowed his attention with a degree of kindness the remembrance of which even at this time both interests and softens me i passed the greater part of the morning with him as much for my own instruction as his service not that he ever permitted me to perform any menial office but to copy or write from his dictating and my employment of secretary was more useful than that of scholar and by this means i not only learned the italian in its utmost purity but also acquired a taste for literature and some discernment of composition which could not have been at la tribuse and which was useful to me when i afterwards wrote alone at this period of my life without being romantic i might reasonably have indulged the hope of preferment the abbe thoroughly pleased with me expressed his satisfaction to every one while his father had such a singular affection for me that i was assured by the comte de favria that he had spoken of me to the king even madame de bray had laid aside her disdainful looks in short i was a general favourite which gave great jealousy to the other servants who seeing me honoured by the instructions of their master's son were persuaded i should not remain their equal as far as i could judge by some words dropped at random and which i reflected on afterwards it appeared to me that the house of solar wishing to run the career of embassies and hoping perhaps in time to arrive at the ministry wished to provide themselves with a person of merit and talents who depending entirely on them might obtain their confidence and be of essential service this project of the comte de gauvon was judicious magnanimous and truly worthy of a powerful nobleman equally provident and generous but besides my not seeing at that time its full extent it was far too rational for my brain and required too much confinement my ridiculous ambition sought for fortune in the midst of brilliant adventures and not finding one woman in all this scheme 
it appeared tedious painful and melancholy though i should rather have thought it more honourable on this account as the species of merit generally patronised by women is certainly less worthy than i was supposed to possess everything succeeded to my wish i had obtained almost forced the esteem of all the trial was over and i was universally considered as a young man with flattering prospects who was not at present in his proper sphere but was expected soon to reach it but my place was not assigned to me by man and i was to reach it by very difficult paths i now come to one of those characteristic traits which are so natural to me and which indeed the reader might have observed without this reflection End of section two. Recording by Martin Giessen in Hazelmere, Surrey.